I so appreciate that video. Thank you, Laura, for uh, sharing that. Uh, just from her heart. Beautiful. Um, I, I'm going to get back to that in a second. I want to set up what I'm going to say by saying this. Um, oh, by the way, hi, everybody. I'm Greg. Good to see you all here tonight. Very nice to see you. Uh, some of you know that I have taken up race walking uh, this last year because my knees can't handle running more than a few miles. So uh, I took up race walking. Now, the thing is, uh, what you may not know is that it's a very dangerous sport. And people think that you look sissy, but it's a very dangerous sport. Uh, it involves a lot of technique. And one, one of the techniques is that you have to keep your body low to the ground. Uh, I, can't, I can't go into explaining why, but you want your propulsion of your calf to go be going forward, not up and down. You don't want to waste energy, so you, you keep your feet real low to the ground. Eh? Like this, see? Low to ground. Which is great as long as you're walking on a perfectly smooth surface. The sidewalks of, of St. Paul are not perfectly smooth. Uh, the Minnesota weather has caused some of the cement of, you know, some, some flabs to protrude up, and they form these kind of like, like teepees like this. And uh, they're all over the place. And do you know how ridiculous you look when you're walking along at uh, 10, 11 minute mile pace and bam, you hit one of those things, your body turns into a projectile. You, you, you just go flying. And then to minimize the harm when you land, you got to roll a bunch of times. And then that makes it, the worst thing is that you already look funny, so people are already looking at you. So you already have everyone's attention, and now you do a wipeout, and it's very, very embarrassing. Why is it that we pay the highest taxes in the city and they can't fix the sidewalks? Somebody explained that. You saw St. Paulites here. We got to do something about this. I should run for president. And, and, and just to fix that, that'll be my campaign. Make America safe again. Fix the sidewalks. And this year, with this year's competition, I just might win. Okay, so. I would get so many amens out of that. So uh, I was going up and down Summit, you know, with my little race, my little swiveling hips, race walking and stuff. And uh, I, I was coming around St. Thomas with all these students there, of course. And bam, I hit one of those protrusions and my, I flail in the air for about five feet. I land, my head smacks the cement. I roll a couple of times. My headphones go flying off. It was a world-class, epical uh, uh, wipeout. I mean, it, it was... It, it was uh, it was Guinness Book Records. It was fantastic. Of course, I get up really quick, acting like nothing's wrong, everything's fine, very embarrassed. And I put on my headphones and I swivel away. I don't even want to look back to see if there's any students giggling at me because I know they are. Uh, now, I have a high threshold for pain, so it wasn't until I actually got back to my house that I realized that I was pretty scraped up. My, my face was all scraped up. I had scrapes all over my shoulders and elbows and stuff. And it was, it was quite a mess. So I put hydrogen peroxide on that for a couple of days and everything healed well. What I didn't notice was that I also had scraped up my knee, one knee in particular. But it was so minor compared to everything else that I just kind of ignored it. And because I have a high threshold for pain, I didn't even notice the thing until about a week later when Shelly says, man, your knee's starting to look kind of nasty. You ought to start putting some hydrogen peroxide on that and triple ointment, whatever that thing's called. And, and uh, it looks like you got an infection. So I said, you're right. Man, I didn't even see that. So I walk upstairs, but by the time I walk upstairs, I'm thinking about the Trinitarian implications of divine accommodation or something like that. So I forget about it. And that happened the next two times. She noticed it over the next week. And it wasn't until this thing starts to throb, I mean, it starts to really hurt, that I, I actually paid attention to it. And by then, it was like all red, uh, and you know, it has green, brown pus all around the edges. You know how that gets oozing pus and stuff? And it was, it was itchy, and it was nasty. It took about a week of constant medication on it to, to get rid of it. 
I know you're wondering, what's the point of all this? Well, I want to talk about germs tonight. (laughs) Uh, See, here's the thing about germs. They're all around us, all the time. But if you take ordinary precautions, like don't eat the gum on the bottom of the chair that someone left there and and wash your hands now and then. If you you take ordinary precautions, they're they're not going to hassle you much. But if you get an opening in your body where there's not supposed to be an opening, if there's an unnatural opening in your body, well, those little critters get in there and they invade. And they infect it. And if you don't take care of it, it gets uh, to be painful and it starts to produce pussy stuff in your life. That's the way germs work. And I share that to share this. That's also the way the kingdom of darkness works. You can think of Satan and demons as sort of spiritual germs. They're all around us all the time. We live in a polluted environment. They're germs. But if you're in Christ and you take ordinary precautions, uh, they can't hassle you much. But if we get a lesion, a scrape, a cut, if our heart is pierced, our soul is pierced, if there's an opening in our innermost being that isn't supposed to be there, a lesion of sorts, well, then the, the spiritual germs invade and they infect. And if it's left untreated, they'll prevent that thing from getting healed. And if it goes on, they'll start to develop pain, various kinds of pain in our life. And if it goes on, it'll start to produce ugly, pussy stuff in our life. So you see this with Laura. Laura was wounded at a, at a young age. She, she uh, needed a father's love and a father's attention and affirmation, and she did not get it at all. And see, here's the thing. The gulf between what you needed, your, what your soul needs, and, and what you got, the gulf between what you needed and what you got creates a lesion, a fissure in, in, in our spirit. Um, and and th- that's a wound that if it's not addressed, the enemy will take advantage of it. He, he doesn't cause the wounds, but he infects them. And that then becomes a source of pain. And if it begins, begins to produce ugly, pussy stuff in our life. In Laura's case, um, the, the wound, the, the pain got manifested as as a, a mistrust of men. She wasn't sure she ever wanted to get married. It was manifested as uh, having a wall around her, not letting people in on the inside. It was manifested as a, as a depression. That's the pain that is there. And then it produces nasty stuff in her life that um, uh, keeping people at bay. And the quality of her life is diminished because of that. That's, that was her cage. Some people who have these kind of wounds, and we all have some kinds of wounds like this, they try to numb that pain uh, by... Alcohol abuse or chemical abuse or sexual addiction or various other kinds of addictions, distractions of various sorts, or an addiction to success or what have you. And the thing is that, as was true of my knee, the littlest wound in our spirit, the littlest rip there can become, if it's not addressed and healed, it can become a source of where the enemy invades and infects and causes pain and produces ugly, pussy stuff in our life. Uh, it is these wounds that make us most vulnerable to the cages that we get entrapped in. And the thing about this is that these cages are all unique to each one of us. Because the wounds that we receive are unique to each one of us. And not only that, but, but your personality is unique, your family history is unique, your life experience is unique. And that produces in you a certain unique set of strengths, but also a unique set of weaknesses. And that's what the enemy goes after. He, he, he goes after our wounds. He goes after our weaknesses. And that is how he encages us, how we get enslaved. 
and how he sucks the quality of our life out from every one of us. Our, our, our cages are custom-designed, tailor-made to the wounds that each one of us have. Now, what I want to share now is this. I, I, this is probably going to be the most practical message I think I've ever preached. I, I, I just want to share a process that I, it's a regular in my life, that I believe is just, it, it's a biblically-based process that is powerful on getting us out of our cages. First of all, discovering our cages, getting us out of our cages, and staying free of those cages. All right? It, it involves a, a three-step sort of process. All right? Number one. First of all, really important, all important, to discover the cage that you're in. Because you may not know it. You probably don't know it. Now, some people's cages are obvious. Or to change the metaphor, some of the nasty, pussy stuff that some wounds produce is obvious to everybody. So if you've lost some jobs because you can't control your drinking, your cage is pretty obvious. If you blew apart your family because you can't stop gambling, that your cage is pretty obvious. If you find that you're... You know, can't control your sex life. Your cage is pretty obvious. If you've burned through three marriages and got in trouble with the law because you can't control your rage, your, your, your cage is pretty obvious. That's nasty, pussy stuff that uh, everyone can see. But many of us, in fact, most of us have pussy stuff that is much more subtle than that. And our cages are much more hard to detect. Lores, for example, it, it's an internal thing. It's an internal thing. Um, yeah, she, she can't let people on the inside. She has this per, uh, persistent depression. She has trouble trusting men. But that's not the kind of thing that gets in the headlines. In fact, because you live in it, as she herself said, it becomes normal to you. That is the most sinister, star, sinister part of our custom-designed cages. They, they, they fit us perfectly. They feel normal. For some people, it can be a, a fear of rejection. That's nasty, pussy stuff, but you may not know it. Uh, it, it's, uh, it could be a fear of failure. You're a perfectionist. You're afraid of trying new things. It could be a sense of worthlessness. It could be a, a, a persistent anxiety uh, that you have, an inability to make decisions. Um, it could be a persistent need to impress people, whatever it is. But it, it's a thing that, that manifests a wound in our life. But see, we get used to it. It becomes our normal. And so we may not feel like we're in a cage at all. We don't even realize, as I was you don't even realize that this thing is really infected and it's undermining the quality of your life it's just that you're used to it so it doesn't seem like it's something you got to pay attention to i i can relate really strongly to one aspect of of uh laura's testimony when i it wasn't until in my late 30s that i discovered that there was a lingering part of me that my heart was on an island and i'd actually gotten a lot of healing about this uh, already, and so I don't think my island was as remote as as it used to be, but it was still there. And I see this is the thing about wounds is sometimes you can think you're done with them, and ten years later you realize there's still more work to be done. Um, I, I my heart was on an island, and that was a lingering pus of a wound that I got from a stepmother, primarily from a stepmother who could be arbitrarily ab- abusive. Uh, half the time I was getting beaten, I didn't know why, why I was getting beaten. It just all of a sudden, bam! I find myself getting beaten. And so this, and see, see what happens is the, the love and security I needed as a kid, well, it was contrast with the arbitrary abuse that I got, and that creates a, a serious lesion in your soul. The gulf between those two, it's a lesion. And so I, at a very young age, decided, I, I came to the conclusion that the world is simply a dangerous, scary, arbitrary, painful place where you can take a hit at any moment. 
That's just the way the world works, and you're on your own. And so the only way to survive is to not feel. And, and move on to an island of invincibility. I was Mr. Invincible. Nothing's going to hurt me, and nothing did. And I'd had a lot of healing about that, but Shelly still felt, she was always sensing that there's a part of me that she just wasn't invited into. And I wasn't aware of it. I wasn't aware of it. She, she asked me, you, know, you don't let me in the inside. And I was like, what? Yes, you're in the inside. But she wasn't because there's a part of me that even I wasn't aware of. You see how that works. The wounds are hidden and the pain and the nastiness becomes normal. And so what we need, folks, this is step number one, is a, to do a regular, a regular soul audit. Audit our soul. Search within ourselves. Uh, and see what is there. Whether we feel off or not, we need to regularly be doing a soul audit, examining our hearts. Here, here's what the psalmist says. It says, when you are on your beds, this is the Lord speaking, when you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. And then in Psalms 139, he says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. So what the author is saying here is that we're to regularly, on our beds, in silence, being still, ask God to help us search our hearts, search our anxious thoughts. The way I do it, and most people find that, that it's easier to see clearly into your soul first thing in the morning before it gets all cluttered with the, the affairs of the day. I, I certainly find that to be true. And there is a motif throughout the Bible that, that talks about searching God in the morning. Yeah, I, I would try it if I were you. Um, and so before I get out of bed, and I, do this, I don't do this every day, but, but I do it very regularly, I'll do like a body scan of my soul. I'm just sort of like scanning my body. And um, I'm asking God to, to manifest whatever's there that I need to see. What is there? Now, the first thing you'll see as you do this will be the obvious stuff, the obvious nasty pus. The areas of your life that aren't in congruity with God. The sin that's there. Uh, and here I just want to say it's so important to be absolutely honest with God. Absolutely honest, Ruthlessly honest with God. Just put it before him. Whatever comes to your mind as you're doing this scan, just acknowledge it. He knows it's there anyways. We sometimes, I think, we try to ignore it because we feel some shame about it. And we think if we ignore it, then God doesn't notice it. But God sees it already. And so it will do your soul good just to say it's there. And you should repent of it and get rid of it. But the reason we ignore it is because we don't want to. We, if we look at it, we, we, we're going to feel like we should, so we just pretend that it's not there. But see, here's the thing. You'll never get healed from that unless you acknowledge it before him. So God can take it. His love for you is bigger than this. So just say, look, at right now, I don't want to let this go. And, and, and be honest about that, because he knows that too. Be honest about that. But it, put it before him. And do one more thing, and that's this. Invite him into that. Invite him into your, into your, I don't want to get rid of this sin. Sometimes we look at this, this idea of God's too holy and prissy to get dirty into our rebellion. But that, that's what the cross is all about. It's a God who loves to dive into our sin. And it's a sin not to want to get rid of sin. So when God invite, in, invite God into it. And, and ask him to help you understand this. You know, just explore this. He loves you enough to say, okay, let's explore this for a little bit. Not to shame you or anything, but just to free you. Because see, everything we do is for a purpose, to meet a need, and you're holding on to that sin because you think you're meeting a need. But I guarantee you, if you'll, 
walk with God and just kind of search your soul out, you'll find that that's based on a lie. And once you discover the lie, you disempower it, and you're going to find that you no longer need to cling to the sin that you're clinging to. So just be honest. Invite God into all of it there as you're doing your body scan. But don't stop there. The obvious stuff you'll see right away. As you're scanning, pay attention to subtle, subtle aches and pains and incongruities and, and anxious thoughts. It's amazing the stuff we suppress. Uh, we're just used to it. It's like if you've ever had, like, like my knee. I just ignored it. I didn't know it was there. Well, in the morning, before your mind's all cluttered, as you're doing the scan and asking the spirit to show you what you need to learn from this pain, you'll, you'll, you'll start to notice things. Well, yeah, there is kind of a fluttering of my heart there, and there's an anxiety there, and there's a concern there. And sometimes it'll be about circumstances in your life or, or a loved one's going through, and so you just take a moment to pray for those things. But other times, you won't know why it's there. And that's where now you need to really... Say, God, search my heart. Uh, ask God to help you follow the pain trail. Pay, pay attention to that ache, that nervousness, whatever's there. And, and ask the Spirit to now show you that that's a symptom. That's, that, that's, that's a, a nasty, pussy thing that is based on a wound. What is the wound behind that? And ask God to... to, to I, I sometimes see myself as sort of a detective of, of the crimes of the heart. You know, I, I'm just going to inspect... What crime was committed that caused this, this thing to be here? And the Lord helps me do that. And as you're doing this, as you're paying attention to what you feel inside, as you're looking into your soul, uh, at, notice what images come up and what memories pop up. Because that's how we, we find out. What, what happened that caused this? What happened? Who, who was it that told you that the world was a dangerous, scary place where you can take a hit at any time. What was it that, that, that taught you that it was appropriate to move on to an island of invincibility? Uh, when did you learn that you were not beautiful? When did, when did you learn that you were not adequate? When did you learn? Uh, who was it that told you that, that you'll never amount to anything, that you're always a disappointment, that uh, you never, never, never measure up, that you'll always be alone because people don't want to be around you, that you're too weird for anyone to really want to hang out with? When did you learn? That uh, you can't ever stand up for yourself. When did you learn that your value was to impress men or to pleasure men? Where did that come from? And see, by walking with the Spirit down the corridors of our heart, uh, we learn these things. Okay, so that's, that's stage one. Just, just, just be real there. Stage two, step two. And this is the all-important thing. Before you do anything more, before you make any promise to get better or to be better or you, you ask how to fix it before you do anything stop and just be loved just remind yourself that right now in all of this woundedness in all of the sin maybe some of it that you don't even want to let go of uh in, in all of that you are loved with an everlasting perfect unwavering love and just soak that in because see the source of everything you do is in the kingdom is about that. The source of all of our healing comes from the love of God. The source of all of our freedom ultimately comes from the love of God. And so as you are, warts and all, just bask in that love. Just spend a moment just letting him love on you. Try to envision that. And see, what you're doing there, what you're doing there is, is, is you are confronting one of the greatest lies of the enemy, one of the most widespread lies of the enemy, and it's this. In one way or form, he says this. First, you got to get your pussy wound cleaned up. And first, you got to get rid of all that sin before you can approach the all-holy, almighty God. He's revolted by ugly stuff that you got in your life. 
So first you got to clean yourself up and then Jesus will love you. Get your act together and then you'll be okay. And folks, it is a lie out of the pit of hell. It is an undiluted, diabolic, demonic, vile, filthy, pussy lie. It is, it, cause see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You, 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 you wouldn't, you wouldn't treat your own kids that way. I mean, no, no good parent would say, first you gotta get your act together and then we're gonna love you, Johnny. No, you love first. And, and God loves you a billion times more than you could possibly love your own children. Not only that, but see, if Jesus, if Jesus said, first you gotta clean up your act and then I'll love you. If Jesus only loves clean people, then Jesus doesn't love people at all. What he loves is cleanness. Think about it. In fact, if Jesus only loves clean people, then he can't possibly be the Savior because people who are clean or can make themselves clean don't need a Savior. See, it, it's, it's a lie out of the pit of hell. Um, it's, um, it, it's as antichrist as anything can be. The truth is that Jesus loves the clean and the unclean, and the truth is that none of us are clean. So the truth is we all need a Savior, and the truth is that Jesus is that Savior, and the reason he's a Savior is because he loves unclean people. Hallelujah. So let him love you when you're not clean. And that's the only hope we ever have of getting clean. It's when we experience, it's when we experience that love in the midst of our sin that, that our hearts are changed and, and we grow out of that sin. And it's when we're loved in the midst of the wounds that we receive the healing uh, to, to be freed from those wounds. And this is why the enemy gives us that lie, that we first need to clean up our act before we can be loved. Because it, if you can't be loved in the midst of your stuff, you're never going to get out of your stuff, and that's exactly what he wants. It's like I say around here with some regularity, at least once a year, I suppose, that if you can't experience the love of God in the midst of your crap, then you're never going to get out of your crap, not in a healthy way. You may exchange your crap, <laughs> trade around a little bit, but you're always going to stay in it. The key to everything is, is being loved in the midst of your crap. And I don't care what your crap is. I don't care what your wounds are. You can have the ugliest, most pus-filled, vile, itchy, stinky wound in the world. I, it could be as ho- look as hopeless as you can imagine. It is no match for the love of God. Hallelujah. And, and, and you can have the most gross sin you, in the world. Uh, you know, the darkest, deepest secret sin anyone can possibly imagine. I don't care who you have harmed. I don't care who you have cheated on. I don't care who you have murdered. I don't care what you've done or what you've thought. Whatever it is, however vile it is, however putrid it is, however disgusting it is, however damaging it is, it is no match for God. It does not dilute the love of God. It does not compromise the love of God. It does not water down the love of God. It does not hinder the love of God. It's not an obstacle to the love of God. It doesn't cause the love of God to waver. No, God's love is like the sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous, and it's always the same. Our job is just to bask in it. Just bask in it. Feel the sun of that love. And that is the thing that brings about healing in our life. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And the third thing then is this. Ask. Getting okay with where you're at as you are. Having a love of God there. Then ask God and ask others for wisdom about now what steps you can take to begin to walk out of that cage and stay free of that cage. Just seek God's wisdom on this. Don't do it before you bask in the love. And that's, this isn't a one-time thing, folks. We've got to come back to this all the time. If you did it daily, it would not nearly be too much. Um, but having that down and always getting that down, ask for the wisdom uh, about how to go about being healed. I'll give a few little tidbits here, all right? But you need to seek God on your own on this. One thing that I find to be absolutely foundational for all healing is, is inviting Jesus into the wounds. Inviting Jesus into the wounds. 
When you are doing this, this scan, the searching of the soul, and you come upon a pain and an anxious thought, and you, you, you follow the pain trail to, back to the wound, and an image comes before you about the event that caused this, invite Jesus into that event. As you imagine this, and it may be painful, really painful to imagine this, and it could be something that you haven't imagined for, for decades. Maybe something that you just blocked for decades, but enter into that. See it as vividly and as concretely as you can. And, uh, and then see Jesus in that event. And he works wonders. He doesn't change the past. He can't change the past. The past is what has been. But he changes the meaning of the past. And see, every, every wound is held in place by a lie. It has a message. And that is what compromises the quality of our life. Invite Jesus, the one who speaks the truth, in on that. And, and let him bring his love and his genius to that event and change things. Um, it's, 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 and don't be in a hurry for this. I, I, sometimes you go back to the same event a number of times because there's new layers, new dimensions that he wants to show you. I, I have a book on this called Seeing is Believing for those who don't know how to do this, this sort of prayer, imaginative prayer. But it's very, very powerful. So invite Jesus in on the wound. Number two, invite others in on the wound and invite others in on the sin. Um, just ha- having people you trust enough to be totally honest with. I mean, see, the, the deepest need of our heart is to be fully known and loved as we're fully known. As long as we're concealing, we can never, as long as we're hiding, we can never feel that. We all need some people in our life for whom there is no difference between our inside and our outside. Some people for whom we are not hypocrites. That's what the word hypocrite means. Is there's a duality between our inside and our outside. Some people who know, we, they know us and we know them. And see, here's the thing, just speaking the truth, and the word truth means uncovered in Greek, speaking the truth, that itself is healing. Um, the, the, the enemy is the prince of darkness because he needs darkness to operate. You take away that darkness and he is disempowered. By bringing it outside, by sharing it with others, just that act brings it into the light. And you're going to find it, it loses some of its power. This is why our refuge ministry is so beautiful. Because folks come together and they just are who they are. And we're here because we're broken. And they have their support groups. And they just speak the truth to one another. They confess to one another. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's a healing thing. So find people that you can share this with. We are never meant to be on an island. Not, none of us were. Uh, we need people who are on the inside, people who love us. And, and they model the love of God because they don't go away when they f- see our ugly stuff, reminding us that God doesn't go away when he sees our ugly stuff. Third thing is, is this. As the Lord testified, forgiveness is always an essential part of getting free. Cages are locked with unforgiveness. Um, here's the thing. that, that uh, the, the difference between what you needed and what you got creates a wound. And that creates a debt of sorts. You're, there's a part of your soul that's saying, uh, you owe me. In a sense, you're right. What happened to you shouldn't have happened to you. And, and there's a debt that's occurred there. As a way of uh, the, your, your wounded self to say, I deserved better than what you gave me. And that's true. The thing is, is that if you, if, if you stay there, you only continue to empower the wound. You're feeding the wound. Um, you're, you're, you're keeping that gap reinforced by being angry, you're keeping the lesion open. Um, and so what's got to happen, and as Laura said, is there has to be a releasing of that debt, a total releasing of that debt. Uh, the foundation of it is to get all of the worth and the love and the significance and the security that you needed 
When you were a kid, you needed it from your parents, but now you're an adult. Get all of that met through Jesus, and you no longer need to be trying to get it from this person who wronged you. When we're trying to collect a debt, we're really saying, we're still saying my worth and significance and security comes from you. But it doesn't. It comes from Christ. So get it from Christ and then release that person. And that's all a debt is. It just means to release. It doesn't mean that you're going to like the person, want to hang out with the person or invite them over for dinner. No. It just means you release them. And man, is it freeing. It's so freeing. Um, and the nice thing about forgiveness, about releasing a debt, is that you can do it even if the person doesn't want you to do it. <laughs> You're the one in power now. You see, they, they, it may make them mad to think that you think that they need to forgive you or, or that they need to forgive, be forgiven. Uh, it doesn't matter what they think. Let them stick their tongue out. Just let it go. In fact, the nice thing about forgiveness is that you, you can do it whether the person's alive or dead. You see, it's about what you're doing. Just release that. And in that, folks, is, is a tremendous, tremendous freedom. Just let that go. Fourth thing is, is, is this. And this is, I, I have found over time, often overlooked. When you're getting free from a cage, be very honest, ruthlessly honest about where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. And get very, very practical about how to guard against those weaknesses. We're up against an enemy who's smart when it comes to this stuff. Be very practical. What can you do to not fall into your weakness? For, for example, and sometimes it's right in front of our face, but we get too spiritual. Sometimes we're too spiritual. Would you agree with that? It's like, oh God, God's going to do it all. Well, sometimes he wants you to use your brain. <laughs> and there may be things right in front of you that you can do that's really going to increase the odds of your success. I mean, for example, uh, there's a guy I knew who had... Uh, he was past this now, but he told me about how he was trying to get out, get off of alcohol. He was an alcoholic. Uh, but he kept on falling. He'd get off for a little while and he'd fall back into it. And the problem was that, that he passed a, a, a liquor store on the way to and from work. And every time he passed a liquor store, the thing would be calling to him. Hey, Harry, come on, man. I miss you. Come on back here. Think how fun, how fun we've had. And sooner or later, he'd fall into that. Well, his sponsor had a wonderful idea. Find a different route to work. And, and so they found a route that didn't have any liquor stores on them. It took them a little bit longer, but it was well worth it. And it's, it's so simple, but that was the thing that allowed him to get free. Now, maybe in three years, he'd be strong enough so he could go back to driving the regular route. But, but right now, he needs to be honest that he can't handle driving by a liquor store. And he's got to be really honest about that. Here's the little practical advice, especially for people who struggle with porn. Um, Download an app that, that is, uh, uh, keeps you accountable. They're called accountability apps. Like Covenant Eyes is one. Or 3X Eyes uh, uh, is another. Or 3, 3X Watch is another one. Covenant Eyes and 3X Watch. This is the number one vice that Christians and everybody else are struggling with now. The only difference is that non-Christians don't struggle with it. But the, the, the stats on this are mind-boggling. If Woodland Hills, we all know Woodland Hills is holier than most churches, but, but if it was average, uh, about half of the guys listening to this message this weekend struggle with porn, and about a third of the women do. It's just, it's just, okay, so these, these accountability apps, what they do, if you're serious about getting free, these things will, they will give a report of everywhere you went on the internet on a weekly or a monthly basis to wherever you designate. They'll be an accountability person. And, uh, and they get the report. Man, is that a deterrent? 
It really, it, and you, you might think, well, well, with Jesus inside, why should I need to have, you know, this artificial app? Well, because you do. <laughs> that's nasty stuff to get off of. I'm talking from experience. That's nasty stuff. You need all the help you can get. And, and you got to get practical on this. And parents, I'll give this for free, free advice. No extra charge on this. Get it for your kids before you find out that they've been into porn. I know you think little holy Johnny, little holy Sully never, never could. Eight, over 80% of all teenage boys, 12 to 18, regularly visit porn sites. Over 30% of all teenage girls regularly visit porn sites. And I guarantee you, uh, less than a fraction of their parents have any suspicion about any of that. It is so available. Back in our day, you had to be clever to get it or have a dad that had left it around. Now it comes at you. It comes at you. I do theological searches. I do it on the Trinity, looking at the uh, threefold structure of things as a reflection of the Trinity. This is a decade ago. I put in three, and guess what came up? That's not, that's not the Trinity I was looking for. Yeah? Uh, parents, I, I, I really encourage you. I told you this is going to be real practical. Uh, uh, I, I would make it a precondition for giving your kid an iPhone or a computer. That app is going to be on there um, because uh, it comes at them. Take practical steps. A final thing I'm going to say is this. Um, the custom cages that we're in feel normal to us because we've lived in them. They're custom designed for us. They fit perfectly, like a perfectly tailored suit. So when you get free, or as you're getting free from these custom designed cages, guess what? It doesn't feel normal. You can often feel weird. It doesn't feel like freedom even. It maybe even feels like bondage. Uh, and you got to know that going into this, that, that it, it takes a while to acclimate to a new normal, to get free of this. I, I, had to, I, I had to really get used to sharing everything that was in my heart with, with Shelly. It didn't come natural. I've never done that. I have a secret space. Uh, but you, you have to acclimate to a new, new, new normal. And sometimes it, it can be almost painful. There's a guy I knew who did get free from pornography, thanks to a accountability app. And he told me that... that um, uh, it took about three or four months before he, he felt normal. And the reason is that that was his main adrenaline rush. Several times a day, he got a, a, a buzz off of this. When he got free of this, he felt profoundly bored and tired all the time. He's, he no longer, he's not getting his fix. Um, well, just know that that's going to be the case. And the enemy will jump all over that. That's why as you're getting out of stuff, it's really good to have folks that, that are there to encourage you and keep you accountable because the enemy is going to be telling you, hey, come on, go back to that. It feels so good. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, now you got to stand strong. You're going to go through a period of, of, of tough stuff. If you're getting off of, of alcohol or abuse or, or, or chemical abuse, any kind of chemical, you're going to go through a physical withdrawal probably. And that really sucks. It, it, it's not pleasant. So my advice to you on this is this. I wish I had a magic wand that I could say, take three of these and pray this prayer and you won't have any symptoms. It doesn't work like that. But here's what I can tell you. I, this acquaintance that I know uh, served two tours in Iraq in, in the army. And he says, they have an expression out there, when all hell breaks loose, they say, embrace the suck. Embrace the suck. I love the expression. I don't know why. Embrace the suck. See, a lot of the frustration and misery comes because we fight the suck. No, just embrace it. It's going to suck for a while. Just embrace it. This is how it is. But to know this, know that it's temporary. It's temporary. And I encourage you, 
to as you're going through this suck, you're in suckville. That's all there is to it. It's going to, you feel like you're going crazy sometimes, but get a vision of what you're going to be like on the other side of the suck. May take a month, may take two months, may take three. I don't know, but, but you will come out of this and get a vision of that. How free it will be, how good it will feel, how good you feel about yourself, what you'll be able to do that you didn't do before, all the money you're going to save and so on and so on. Get a picture of that as vividly as possible. Run previews of it all the time. Because see, it's that vision that, 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 that will pull you forward. It's that vision that keeps you, keeps you marching through this. It's that vision that makes it all worthwhile. So folks, I encourage you, whether you feel anything wrong in your life or not, uh, do 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 regular soul audit, uh, audits. You need it. You don't know what you don't know. And so invite God into everything that is there. Be ruthlessly honest, negative before God, and just say, search my heart, show me what I need to know, and then surrender to him. Don't try to pretty it up. Don't try to tidy it up. Don't try nothing. Just do it, be honest. Then be loved in that. However messy it is, however sinful it is, however much it itches and stinks and pussy and all that, be loved. That's the foundation for everything. Before any change comes the love. All change comes out of the love. And then, and then ask God and ask friends for practical things you can do that will get you out of this cage and that will heal this thing and keep you free from this cage. In the counsel of many, there is great wisdom. Uh, Paul says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand fast in that freedom. God wants you free. The degree to which we are in bondage is the degree to which the quality... We don't live that full, abundant life that he wants us to have. He says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And that life is all about freedom. The cage is the opposite of that. Invite the Lord in and get free. Amen.